Being ambitious is an incredible, attractive, desirable trait, and that should be celebrated, not just by you, not just by your families, not in the quiet of your own home, but vocally, out loud, and we should be celebrating so many women like you who have paved the way for young women. Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. Welcome to 2023 and the fourth year of the Women on the Move podcast. It has really flown by. This year, we decided to take a very important topic and go in depth. And so we're talking about ambition, specifically ambition and women. I believe ambition is a very admirable quality. So why is it that so many women get discouraged from being ambitious? So to answer this question, we're going to take an in-depth look this year as we speak to women across industries, stages of life, and career aspirations. In this episode, I'm speaking with Jamie Vinnick, founder and president of the Women's Network. Jamie started the Women's Network at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And since then, she has built a network for young women to create a community and to think about ambition across their career journey. It is so exciting to see Jamie's vision become a reality and to see so many young women across the U.S. and now Canada embrace their ambition. Jamie, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So we have a lot to get to in terms of what you've created with the Women's Network, but I want to start out by giving our listeners a sense of who you are and what drives you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I was born and raised in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family, which in reflecting on my path, certainly has impacted and influenced my career choices and interests. I went off to Syracuse University, where I studied finance, marketing, and political science. And I was not quite sure what I wanted to pursue professionally. In fact, when I arrived at school, I felt very lost, even behind. And I felt like a lot of my peers had a very deep understanding and grasp as to what they wanted to pursue professionally, which looking back, I think is just hilarious. But I began really immersing myself in the opportunities that I found on campus, attending speaker events, hearing and learning about different paths and industries and opportunities. And there was one event in particular that I attended that really changed my college experience and has impacted my life. I left that event feeling very uninspired and I took that lack of inspiration to heart and thought a lot about it and launched the Women's Network as a club on campus eight months later. And I have been working on the Women's Network ever since. Well, so let's talk about that experience. I think what's so interesting is most people walk away from an experience feeling inspired or energized to make them do something else. And you're saying you almost had the opposite reaction, but it still prompted you to do something. So tell us what that was. There were so few women at the time that were brought in as speakers. And this event in particular really struck a chord because here was this incredibly powerful, accomplished woman who came in to speak about her career. And there really were no topics or conversations that centered around gender or in particular gender in the workplace. And I felt like it was this tremendous missed opportunity to have nuanced, real, raw conversation on the challenges, the bias 
biases, the barriers that disproportionately often affect women more so than perhaps our male counterparts. And the other component that I thought was really interesting is that there was this lack of community around ambition and around being very celebratory of having career interests and meeting people outside your major in a non-competitive environment. And it was a culmination of the lack of conversation, the lack of community, the lack of true mentorship, regardless of what industry you were interested in pursuing a career in culminated into this idea I had. So wrote down on the back of a piece of paper, my ideas, and I got back to my sophomore year of college. And story goes is I went door to door, knocking on over a 1000 freshman dorms, handing out really ugly flyers, talking about this idea. And that became the Women's Network and immediately exploded on campus. But I think it spoke to the fact that we were tapping into something that was so much bigger. And what we were tapping into was the fact that people want a sense of community. They want to have vulnerable conversations in an environment they feel safe and comfortable in. And that did not exist at my own university. Also pre-Me Too movement. So people were hardly even dancing around the topic of gender in the workplace It felt very taboo, very uncomfortable for a lot of people to discuss. And this is one of the most formative times of a person's life is in undergrad, if you have the privilege to pursue higher education, learning about and exploring your career interests and meeting people and doing so in a way that can quell nerves and anxieties about what your future might hold. Because looking back, everyone feels some way about that. No one truly knows what they want to do, especially freshman year. And I didn't quite understand that. I thought most people knew what they wanted to do. It was all of that that just felt like there was this huge opportunity on campus and later realized that it wasn't just specific to my own college campus. I'm so struck by a few things. Number one, that you did that really as a freshman or right after your freshman year. So you were very young and were able to do something that was very important to you. But also there was a sense you took away that you weren't having the conversations you wanted to about how difficult it might be for women to enter the workforce later on. And what's interesting about that to me is I have been in the workforce a long time, so I know things are difficult. But when I see younger people come out of school right now, they don't often understand that women have challenges, which could be great, by the way. They come in and they think they just came out of university where it was mostly women or you know more than 50% women in large part. They've been treated probably equally throughout their education to date. And so some of them don't understand that there might be those biases in the workplace that they will confront. But it sounded like you had that sense that there would be in listening to the speaker and not address that. And so I think that's really unusual. And I think that's great that you took all of that and that experience and really channeled it into the Women's Network. Tell us about the Women's Network. Tell us what it is and how it works and how people join as members. The Women's Network today is the largest collegiate women's networking organization in North America. The mission is to connect women to each other, to industry leaders, to resources, and to mentorship. And we're very celebratory of ambition. So 
We have a chapter present on over 120 college campuses in the United States and in Canada, and at present about 45,000 members in the community. And really how the network functions is the chapters operate in the sense of hosting their own events. And then we also have national events open to members in the entire network. And so we host experiences such as speaker events, alumni receptions, networking trips, financial literacy workshops. Then we also host more social events as well. The goal in mind that it's really important, not just what you know, but who you know. And so ensuring everyone has access to the right network, the right resources, the right community. So building confidence of finding resources. We welcome male allyship. The network is primarily composed of female identifying or non-male identifying people. It is really important to bring men into the conversation and have their allyship as well. But there's also a need for a space that really can address and confront female-centric issues that will disproportionately affect us. 45,000 members is huge. So congratulations on that. That is terrific. What do people gain out of it when they tell you the benefits that they receive from it? What do they generally talk about? Why is this so valuable to them? A lot of people initially join to either meet ambitious individuals or to explore their own career interests. And then they often stay because they want to develop leadership skills, build more confidence, access better mentorship or resources specific to their career of choice or industry of choice, and to have vulnerable conversation. And we've placed a lot of people into internships and jobs. We have connected people to the right mentors authentically and very naturally. I don't believe in pairing someone because they have the same paper qualifications to develop friendships out of this. So I think often people join for various reasons, also depending on their interests. I think if you're a business school student, you have access to a lot of networking events and resources that an English major or humanities major might not have but you're not necessarily meeting people as frequently outside your major. You're not necessarily learning about different industries or career paths or meeting or developing friends or learning really crucial skills like public speaking and leadership and problem-solving skills in leading your specific chapters. And so now we're at a an exciting new phase of the network where we're beginning to expand beyond the college model, the college campus. When you graduate, you still have needs and desires and interests. You're just at a different stage in life. So we're beginning to explore the recent graduate model and ensuring that they also feel supported. It started at a grassroots level on the college campus at Syracuse, and it really has shown that every campus has had some type of void connected to what our mission is. And the chapters have explored that in a variety of ways. Some universities bring in these incredible speakers, and so it's almost saturated. But what's lacking is the sense of community. I can really see the Women's Network filling a gap on campus. When you're going through that recruiting process as a senior, whether you're in some sort of formal company recruiting or doing it on your own, it feels very lonely. You know, no one's really working with you. You might have a career center. Maybe they're pretty good. But it always feels like a solitary experience. So I could really see the Women's Network playing that role, as you say, of community, of bringing people together, talking to each other. What jobs are you going for? How did that interview go? What are they going to pay you? Things that women should really be talking to each other about so we can learn from each other. So I love that you really 
really filled that gap there. And I would like to know, how did you start with one chapter at Syracuse? What was that flame that started that kicked you off into that next chapter and then the next 10 and the next 20? You also quickly just brought up such a great point too, that there is a deep level of competition in college. And the notion that we've been highlighting is that if this is the behavior that begins and cultivates at a college level, the numbers in the C-suite, the numbers, the managing director levels in executive leadership positions are not going to change at the rate that you would like to see them change if you're gatekeeping opportunities and information. So the sense of competition, especially in women-oriented groups, was pretty high at my own college campus, which is really important to address. So I was part of the lucky class of 2020, was sent home packing in March. We, of course, thought we were going to come back two weeks later. That never happened. College ended in March. In the fall of my senior year, I had a pretty light schedule, and I was thinking a lot about the Women's Network launching at a handful of other universities. I just wanted to see if on the side, this could even be possible. And a little background about that is I ended up turning my full-time job offer down in September of my senior year. Everyone thought I was crazy for doing that. Just didn't quite align with my career interests and decided I wanted on the side to launch the Women's Network at a handful of other universities. So in February of 2020, I found people in the fall on Instagram, was calling them up, explaining this crazy idea that I had. I chose five random places on a map. We're talking Cornell and Berkeley and Wisconsin, Florida. I mean, completely random to see if there was proof of concept. We launch and hundreds of people were coming out to these meetings. And then the next month, COVID hits and everything was moved online. I went home packing. And at that point, school became very light. No one knew what Zoom was. My professors didn't quite know how to lead a virtual classroom. And so I just put my head down, decided I wanted to see where this could go. And I doubled down on the work. We just kept launching. So we went from one school to about five additional universities to 16 to 22 to almost 100, a little under two and a half years. And so it happened through circumstance and opportunity and just really showed that there was a need at all these different universities, also outside of the U.S. too. And what we're finding in Canada now is how deep this need is started as a club on one school and then started to expand from there. And this was not the plan at all. Jamie, it's really interesting to hear how well this spread in the pandemic. Maybe that was an even bigger need for community that brought people together. And as you said, so many students were back home, maybe with a lighter schedule, still looking and able to do things like this. Tell me about the other women who really picked this up with you and helped to lead the charge on these other campuses. What did they want out of this as well? How did you find those kindred spirits to help you? One of the most important components to launching a successful chapter is establishing a really passionate, hardworking, really amazing executive board of chapter leaders. And that is a crucial ingredient leading a successful chapter. Without them, there really would not be a functioning, established chapter on their own campuses. They've joined for a variety of reasons, one being that exciting opportunity to develop leadership skills. These are skills that you 
don't really learn inside the classroom, learning how to manage a team, how to plan events, how to market successfully an event in advance, how to conduct outreach to powerful industry leaders to come to speaker events, how to budget an event and work closely with the university in funding, building friendships and building friendships with people who don't necessarily share your exact same career interests. We're a network where we're major agnostic. About 30% of the network is studying some discipline of STEM, but people join, whether you're an anthropology major, a business major, STEM major, to develop a number of skills. I also think that our mission really speaks to a lot of people. The concept of being very celebratory of ambition, which we talk all the time about in the Women's Network, has struck a deep nerve and chord with a lot of people. And I hear that all the time, leaders joining because they felt that so deeply in their soul that they either shied away from their ambition or downplayed their ambition, were not very vocal about it, never wanted to necessarily confront it. And I think that also speaks to a larger issue that I hope is something that's continued in you know discussions in the sense that ambition has often this very negative connotation. It also produces a different outcome depending on who it is attributed to. Often when a man is characterized as ambitious, if he even is characterized as ambitious, because that would go against our own stereotypes, how a man should act and conform. He is celebrated. He is praised. He is powerful. He is impressive. He has all these other characteristics, whereas that often is not applied to women in the same way. And it starts at a very young age, too. There's been a lot of research that has shown that young girls in elementary school, primary school, often outperform their boy peers. And by the time they hit puberty is when they begin to either dilute, soften, downplay their sense of ambition. And there are a lot of stereotypes, notions that go into that where women are often societally expected to serve in more of like an empathetic, self-aware, caretaking characteristics. And those aren't often applied to men in the same way. So all of this is to say that I think it also gets to the heart of a lot of the conversations that we have in the Women's Network that being ambitious is an incredible, attractive, desirable trait. And that should be celebrated, not just by you, not just by your families, not in the quiet of your own home, but vocally out loud. And we should be celebrating so many women like you who have paved the way for young women to come and pave paths for future young women too. What does ambition mean to you personally? I'm assuming you would describe yourself as ambitious. And so tell me, what do you think you're ambitious toward or talk about your goals in general? So if you asked me this a few years ago, my response would be very different publicly because I was in the camp of not wanting to necessarily confront or address or vocalize my ambition. I've always considered myself to be ambitious, and how I would define ambition is being fearless in your pursuit of your goals, your dreams, your desires to accomplish greatness. And that could be in any capacity as well. It does not just have to fall within a professional capacity. It could fall into a personal capacity. But embracing and being absolutely fearless in accomplishing whatever you set your mind to, as simple as that sounds, to me is being unapologetically ambitious. When you speak to members and see the activities that they are drawn toward, 
Has there been an example of someone who has discovered their own ambition or like you feel more free to acknowledge that now? What did that look like to them? What was that aha moment? I have heard the most amazing stories about people changing their majors junior year of college because they attended this enlightening speaker event to people seeing representation in alumni reception in a major that does not have much representation, to people discovering new interests, having the confidence to apply to opportunities they did not feel qualified for, which is not true because they have so much going for them, acknowledging their own imposter syndrome. I think the confidence component has opened a lot of doors for people to explore their own ambitions as well. Applying for opportunities where they don't necessarily meet every single bullet pointed qualification, but still landed the opportunity will then open more doors for them and give them more confidence to ask for promotions or raises or apply to opportunities that are lateral. The stories that really resonate and feel so proud and honored to be in the same network as these other individuals is when they open doors for other people too, because they feel like they've been helped. My representation is so important. And one of my greatest mentors, this finance professor at university, who is the only female finance professor in the entire department, taught this leader finance intro class. And it was the first time that I actually visioned myself potentially studying this discipline. I, it never even crossed my mind. The way that she spoke to all the students in the class, the way she engaged my peers and really spoke to the saying that you cannot be who you cannot see. And I really saw myself in her. And it was one minor of many examples as to why representation is so important at all levels and in all spaces. Could not agree more. So I'm glad you had someone there who is helping you with that vision. I think what you're doing is really teaching women the importance of having a network to start out your career, that it is a lifelong asset. It is something that you will always need, but to do it early, in other words, get that muscle memory early that you should be building relationships, you should be keeping in touch with people, it can help you. That is so important. And I also want to stress too, that many times women don't often use their network in the ways that men do. Men tend to be more transactional with their networks. They will ask for things. They will ask for favors. They will ask for business to get it done. And I think many women prefer and become more collaborative or want to have more of a relationship there, which is great. But the network is there for a reason. And I think you can also use it transactionally as needed and consider it flexibly for whatever purpose you need it. So I would just encourage women to think about it that way too. Absolutely. And part of the thinking too in building all these communities on college campuses is I sometimes don't know if students understand the value of their peer-to-peer networks. You're in class with these people, you see them on campus. When you graduate, that will continue to be one of the most valuable networks, valuable components of a person's life. You're meeting at a really young age And it's important to meet as many people as possible. You never know when your past might cross again in life. And what I found too, I'm just beginning to tap the surface of this is people are more than willing to give back, especially when have something in common, you went to the same university. So I do think that there's a lot of untapped value in that as well. 
And to your point too, you might not think you have a lot in common early and maybe you're different people in college, but there'll be so many instances where you end up in an industry with people that you knew vaguely back in college or other walks of life and your past will converge again. You might find yourselves having similar interests in the future. You never know. I think with social media, it is so easy to keep in touch with people, to keep track of what they're doing and to see how your paths converge. I use this all the time with people that I went to school with at both the undergraduate and graduate level. So please do that. Please cultivate this network, keep in touch and really use it. So Jamie, I would love to ask you, what are you looking forward to in 2023? What are the big goals for the Women's Network and for you personally? I am really looking forward to the Women's Network's next phase of growth. We've proven and demonstrated that there is a need for what we're building on these college campuses, that the grassroots model of outreach works. And so the next phase is to begin reaching people when they're just entering, just advancing in the workplace. Their needs are different, but their needs are real. So I'm looking forward to launching what we've been working on over the past year and also continuing to launch more chapters outside of the U.S. In terms of my personal excitement, I re-signed my lease and based in New York. So I'm really looking forward to exploring more of New York. It's been really amazing living here and meeting new people. So looking forward to that. I have a goal I have set where I want to run the New York City Marathon in two years. Every time I see people running in it, I decide the next day I want to run it. And then a week later, I say, never mind. That is ambition, by the way, an ambition I do not have, but I love it that you have it. Now that I've said it on this podcast, it probably will hold me accountable. I don't know if that's going to be in two years when in the near future. I'm just continuing to take this network to new heights. And tell us what you would love our listeners to come away with when it comes to ambition. There are a few things. So the Forbes 30 under 30 list came out recently, and I was looking at some of the posts by the recipients, and almost all of them had acknowledged that they're very uncomfortable with acknowledging how young they are. And I think a takeaway is anyone can accomplish anything regardless of your age. I think age is another social construct that we have just asserted certain limiting mindsets to where if you're of a certain age, you can or cannot do something. So my hope is that if you have an idea or an interest or a hobby that you want to explore at any stage of your life, your age is not limiting. Secondly, your network is truly your net worth. And it's important to be kind to everyone. And so take time to think about three people who have either influenced your life somehow or maybe impacted your career helped you along the way and I would encourage you to reach out to them and thank them or stay in touch with them the third thing is we have a podcast called redefining ambition and I encourage everyone to listen to the episode that featured you as well as your colleague Ola Wadivia and there are a lot of conversations that we have on the power of grit the importance of mentorship and sponsorship and resilience. And so life can get very messy, chaotic, difficult, challenging. And it's important to remind yourself that you, I'm sure, clearly, if you're listening to this podcast, have accomplished a lot that you should be proud of. And that resilience is a quality that will carry you and serve dividends in your life. Anyone takes anything away from this, it's that hearing no should not end 
your creativity or ideas. And if you're really passionate about something, you should not take no for an answer. And I did not take no when I was working through all of the university's red tape and bureaucracy when they didn't think that there was a need for the Women's Network on campus. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. And we are seeing that at most universities that we've launched at. It's been very difficult. So really push through, persevere, remind yourself that whatever you have going on, whether it's an idea, passion, interest, hobby, etc., it's worth fighting for. Jamie, thank you so much for the fighting part, for the going part, for the perseverance, for launching the Women's Network. It is such a valuable an important asset for women at all ages, especially on campuses. It is so great to see your enthusiasm and to speak with you. And we wish you the best of luck as you continue to grow the Women's Network. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all that you do with the Women on the Move team. It's incredible. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Jamie Vinnick. She's been a catalyst for change for so many students, and it's encouraging to see how they've benefited from being part of the Women's Network all across the U.S. and now in Canada. I hope that she's inspired you to embrace your ambition and live fearlessly in pursuit of your goals and dreams. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com slash W-O-T-M. For JPMorgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.